on this week's episode of Marketing O'Clock. We covered new Bing pages and Shep talked about why she is binging in 2020. Hint, it's the romance. Spotify has a new ad insertion feature for podcasts. We tell you how to limit who can reply to your tweets. Shep swoons over Kim K's kitchen, but let's hope there aren't any raisins in it. And Greg talked about how much he dislikes the weather and his plans on going full Donnie Deutsch in 2020. <laughs> oh, on today's show. Marketing O'Clock is your weekly dose of digital marketing news. A proud part of the Search Engine Journal Podcast Network. We record every week from the Cypress North Studios located in beautiful Buffalo, New York. Tune in to our critically acclaimed Famous Friday News Show for insights, updates, rants, and much more as we cover the full gamut of digital marketing for you. If you want to follow along, just check out our show notes or head over to marketingoclock.com for all of the links from today's articles. And please subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Hey there, I'm Greg Finn. I'm Christine Zernheld. AKA Shep. And I'm Jess Bud. And it is officially Marketing O'Clock. Here on January 10th, 2020. Remember, you can catch our famous Friday news shows each and every Friday morning. We read all the news. So you don't have to. First up, what's going on, y'all? Um, Anything new? We were just talking a lot about Meghan Markle and, you know, the royal mix-up. What about you? The mix-up? Yeah. Seems like they straightened it out, at least their own personal lives. For now. Well, for me, I've got my first ever pair of glasses on. And I have to do this podcast with glasses and lights in my face. And you can see us all on our YouTube channel. It's Cypress North on YouTube. You can head to YouTube and search for Marketing Clock. And you can see me pointing at you right now <laughs> and everybody here. We've got an upgraded studio, so check that out. Upgraded studio and upgraded eyeballs. Yeah, do you have 2020 vision now? I kind of did. I just had flat, flat balls in my eyes. I was making a calendar joke, but oh, oh wow. wow, we have wow. all year to laugh at that. <laughs> You're playing chess, and I'm playing checkers. <laughs> <laughs> this week's episode of Marketing O'Clock is brought to you by Hrefs. Whether you work for a big brand, run your own small business, or do freelance work, getting traffic to your website is always an issue. Hrefs is an all-in-one SEO tool set that solves that problem. It gives you the tools you need to rank your website in Google and get tons of search traffic. Want to learn more? Check out their blog or YouTube channel for step-by-step -step SEO tutorials. With a tool that good, you might think you have to break the bank, but you don't. There's a seven-day trial for only $7. You almost can't afford not to do this. So head on over to hrefs.com to sign up. That is A-H-R-E-F-S.com to sign up today. And today's show is also sponsored by Optio. Optio helps Google Ads managers automate time-consuming manual tasks so they can spend more time on high-level strategy and creative work. Optimize accounts, monitor performance, track budgets, and get alerts when important changes happen. And right now, our listeners and our listeners only can get a six-week free trial of Optio. Go to optio.com forward slash S-E-J. That is O-P-T-E-O.com forward slash SEJ, like Search Engine Journal, to get started. And it's better than the 30 days you get if you don't listen to our show. So check that out today. Thank you. 
And getting right into the news this week, Microsoft launched a beta program for a new product called Bing Pages that gives brands some control over how they appear on Bing's version of the Knowledge Panel. I'm 99% sure it's also called the Knowledge Panel after my research today. So we're going to call it the Knowledge Panel. They should have a Knowledge Panel on the Knowledge Panel. That would be so helpful. Super meta. (laughs) So with Bing Pages, you'll be able to aggregate the social media links, contact information, and images that you want to appear in that knowledge panel for your brand. You'll also have the option to promote your social media posts in relevant search results for free. These promoted posts will appear for 24 hours and page owners can designate up to three categories as well as geographic region for targeting their audiences. And Bing Pages program also allows you to manage how your profile will appear on other Microsoft products like Outlook.com. It's pretty simple to sign up, you just put in your URL, connect all your social links. You can put some comments in there if you want. And through my research today, I decided that I might be a Bing user now because they have a couple of really great things in their knowledge panel. Like what? For the most important use of the knowledge panel, celebrity research. Ooh. Mm. Two things. Number one, 99% of the time of the like 10 searches I did today, (laughs) height information was right there. Height and I always <laughs> want to know how tall people are. It doesn't that come into in Google too? You Not have to, every you have to, time. You have to look look around for it. Okay. Usually it's birthday. Usually it's spouse that makes it into Google. For sure. Mm-hmm. A lot of times you have to be very specific to ask for height. But Google's good at getting heights. We do that a lot too. And speaking in the, in the of, Finn family household. Oh, you want to know how tall people? <laughs> well, are. my wife is is tall, six foot plus. So you want to know? Is she actually six foot plus? She yes. might be five. I don't know. I, I am five eleven and a half. I was just told by Google. No, by, 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 by a nurse. <laughs> <laughs> by a nurse. <laughs> so they might ask Google though. I don't know. Mm, yeah, she really six tall. Like six I feet think she's like six I, one. Maybe six wow. flat. She's six one. I, nobody knows. <laughs> All I know is I'm looking up. Anyway, <laughs> the other awesome thing they have: ninety nine percent of the time of the ten searches I did today. <laughs> If you search certain celebrities who are, you know, getting around, I shouldn't have said that. Wow. Shots <laughs> fired, chap. It's almost Valentine's Day. It's okay. You know, if you search certain celebrities who are out on the social scene, hmm. it will come up in the knowledge panel with a romance section above oh. also searched for. And it'll tell you like people they've been romantically linked with. If you want to learn more, stick around for the after show. We're going to do a little deep dive on Bing romance. All right, Jess, what's up next? All right, something super romantic is coming to Spotify. The platform is launching Spotify podcast ads, which utilizes a proprietary new system that they have dubbed streaming ad insertion. Wait, how is SAI. that romantic? That <laughs> is the least romantic thing. I was just so putting ads into, into podcasts. I was just looking for a nice segue and I had nothing. So. I mean, it sounded good until you really dissected it there. It's pretty romantic. I, well, romantic in the sense of like romance, like adventure, no. you know, that other use of the word romantic. Like no. adventure oh come on <laughs> you've never heard that like it's, oh. she's, re- she's really trying to make <laughs> not that about work. ads ever whatever guys get excited regardless i'm excited cool. i'm just not romantically involved <laughs> with the spotify news but you're gonna love what the feature does. oh there Did you I go you win again bud you win again <laughs> So according to this article from Variety, SAI is going to let advertisers buy targeted spots that are inserted into podcasts when they're streamed to listeners. So that probably doesn't sound like a big deal when you say it like that, but it really is. Because if you're inserting ads into the podcast with this SAI technology, rather than just reading them live during the show or editing them into a recording later, 
advertisers will have access to so much more data than just like downloads and listen stats that most of us have to tout now. So Spotify said that with this new technology, they'll be able to provide insights like impressions, frequency, reach, device type, and even age and gender information for the users that are hearing the ads. What about skips? They did not say that, but I would assume that you would have some sort of data. Again, if you're getting frequency, you're going to know if it's heard. I don't know if you would skip it. It's definitely more stats than you have now. So it's pretty awesome for advertisers that like to measure their performance, which really should be all of you out there. This is amazing. So the only catch for now is that this is only available for Spotify's original and exclusive shows. I can't imagine it's going to stay that way for long, though, because people tend to spend more money on platforms where they can actually track success. So why you wouldn't want to grow this program, I don't know. Great. Next up, we've got a list of everything that Google announced at CES 2020. One of the biggest things was web page reading, something that I love. And so instead of sitting around on your phone and reading an article, you can just say, hey, Google, read this page. (laughs) My phone's probably going to chirp any minute now, but it's going to fire up its neural networks and try to read off whatever page you've got. That's That's awesome. Mm -hmm. All the time, I'm like, I really want to read this. And a good example is our must-read marketing article of the week. It's really long, and you could just sit back and listen to it. Or while you're driving. Or while driving, Mm -hmm. yeah. There's a lot of times I need to know what happened. And it's just, it's very strenuous to look at that little phone and read a a big piece of content. And sometimes you're like, hey, I don't want to pull out my laptop. Mm -hmm. I don't want to make this like a huge thing, (laughs) you know? So anyway, that's one of the bigger things. Another item you can do is scheduled actions. So actions are something that you can program into the assistant. It's And now you can be able to schedule them. So you can be able to say, hey, Google, turn off the lights at 6 p.m. And in the comment, I think this was a TechCrunch article. It's funny. They're like, sort of surprising this wasn't already a thing. So shots fired at Google. <laughs> Next up, more businesses are using the interpreter mode that was announced at CES last year. But it's an assistant-powered smart display for helping to make a conversation go smoother between two people. So you might be at a hotel. I think that was one of the examples. Yeah, a handful of hotels use this. American Airlines, HSBC, banks. It just allows on-the-fly translation, which is awesome, and it's being adopted. So that's great. I guess it's not technically new, but it's cool that it works. And then lastly... Google Assistant shouldn't be recording things, but sometimes it hears things it shouldn't hear. So you can wipe that off now. It's a new feature. You can say, hey, Google, that wasn't for you. And you can have your history of the last thing you said wiped off. If I was Google, I would only listen to the things that people (laughs) said wasn't for Google. I know. That's exactly what I do. I'd be like, oh, filter. (laughs) Somebody just said, hey, Google, that wasn't for you. Pull it up and you just have... Of an audio library of inappropriate things. Wow. Do you ever wonder if the assistants are listening for you to talk to other assistants? Like if you have Google and Alexa in your house and you're like, hey, Google, and Alexa's like, oh, why didn't they ask me? Do you ever think that they're listening? I think you're a little overly sensitive. I mean, I'm personifying for <laughs> sure, but do you think that like they're picking up on signals that other devices it's never crossed used? my mind? I don't think it's maybe. I don't think it's Alexa, but maybe if Samsung did something more human esque. Hint, hint towards our WTH a little bit later with a little more feeling. And next, Twitter announced the launch of their promotional trend spotlight product. This is essentially a masthead ad in the explore tab. That's the easiest way for me to wrap my head around it. So if you buy this ad placement, it's a big ad right at the top of that page. And it's even bigger on mobile. It's like edge to edge. 
The article also doesn't say anything about targeting. So it seems like if you buy these, you're buying it for everyone on Twitter and it's mm -hmm. probably going to be very expensive <laughs> and they can be six second videos, an image or a GIF ad. And it will only appear for the first two visits per person per day. Quick question. Could you use a GIF also? Yes, you could use a GIF. Okay. Depending on your pronunciation. So after you come back the third time, supposedly you're not going to see the ad anymore and you're going to see like whatever's trending. So I tried it today, of course, and it, the ad continued to show like four times and then I closed the app and then I opened it again. So maybe we're getting more bang for our buck than we think here. It didn't go away until I closed my ad. But when I did open it, it went from this new movie Underwater. That was the promoted ad for the day. It stars um, Jess's favorite actress, Kristen Stewart. She's not my favorite. I just decided today I don't want to punch her in the face anymore. <laughs> Related to John? Stewart? Yeah. I don't think so. It's spelled the Patrick? same. I think that's as far as it goes. But Rod? Rod? <laughs> oh, oh, you know Rod. You know Rod one of my favorites. Show. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, it went from this, you know, they were spending big butts to big bucks to promote this movie. And then it switched to um, how big is Kim Kardashian's fridge? That was the organic <laughs> result. Her fridge? <laughs> she has like a walk-in fridge. She has a separate kitchen. So she has a kitchen that like all their snacks are in and like her kids have access to. And then they have a separate like professional kitchen with industrial appliances <laughs> where the chefs come and make her vegan tacos. And there's a walk-in fridge. You have to watch the video. Wow. I don't think I could ever buy enough food to fit in a walk-in fridge, but I like it. <laughs> Keep your shoes in there too, I guess. All right, lastly here, also from Twitter, is a new feature that is coming out to give users more control over who can reply to their tweets. Complex.com reported this as a feature that gives you four choices for allowing replies. So one is global, which is how it is now. Anybody can reply. Group, which limits replies to your followers and anyone you mention in the tweet. Panel, which allows replies only from the people you mention in a tweet. And statement, which I love the name. Your tweet is just a statement. Absolutely no replies are allowed. I wish we could do that in real life. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Anti-social shop today. <laughs> I read this title that you're going to be able to limit who can reply to tweets, and I thought this was atrocious. But then I looked at it, and it makes total sense because yeah. anytime you try to do a Q&A between two people, you can't actually have any any set dialogue between a small group of people. So this makes sense. So to the earlier example, if you've got Kristen Stewart and Sir Mix-a-Lot or something like you had talked about to <laughs> communicating back and forth, you can just see only those few people, and it makes it much easier to follow. Yeah, I agree. And according to the article, it also offers better, quote, protection from the vomitous hate and generally baffling opinions of heckwits. And this is a family-friendly show, so I changed that last part a little bit. Oh, what was it before? <laughs> not, mean, not a family-friendly word. Heck, heckwits? Heckwits. I don't know. We'll, we'll have the link in the show notots. Anyone can read okay. it. We're all adults here. Marketingclock.com. Yeah. <laughs> Check it out. I think, yeah, I think it's a good feature, especially if you do want to limit things professionally to a conversation that you just want people to be able to read and not necessarily participate in. Now it's time for this week's take of the week. This is a hashtag fire digital marketing take with extra spice served up for you. We simply deliver the take for your consumption. We give no opinions. We don't influence. You make the call. And this week's Take of the Week comes from John Kagan, at John Kagan on Twitter. And John said, hey, at Google Ads, one of your outsource reps called me on a SMB client. Quote, hello, John. 
I have recos to improve your account. But first, please tell me what it is your business service is, end quote. Me. I'm trying to sell a vineyard. Google. What kind of services is a vineyard? Hashtag PPC chat. <laughs> and this is great. <laughs> there are also a lot of good responses in there. And one of my favorite was from Tim Jensen at Timothy J. Jensen on Twitter. Rep. You should add the keywords vine and yard. And then there's, <laughs> another, and then there's another response from Matthew Howman at MG Howman on Twitter. They would also recommend you to up your bids. <laughs> in response God. to Timothy. These Google reps are out of control. That's pretty bad. And then Tim, of course, replied to that and said, smart campaigns all the way. It's just, it's, <laughs> it is an embarrassment. Maximize clicks. And then the other thing that is also just funny when you look back and, you know, after you're done crying and you say, John added, you know, Google ads. He used an ad Google ads and nobody monitors that anymore. No tweets in 2020. <laughs> they just stopped. It's like, I give up. So true. I give up. There's no, there's nothing. There's nothing to do here anymore. We, we, we've completely given up. Mm-hmm. Just a waste of a character for the at sign. And he fit a lot of characters in this tweet. He did. He actually, really I was really impressed. Yeah. Thank you, John. Now it's time for this week's lightning round. Pew, pew. At this point in the show, we split up our content into three parts. Paid. Organic. And social. And this week's paid lightning round is brought to you by Optio. Optio makes managing Google Ads accounts simple and efficient. It automates time-consuming manual tasks so you can spend more time on strategic or creative work. Whether you work in an agency with a large number of accounts or you're a freelancer responsible for a smaller portfolio, whether you own a vineyard on your own, Optio (laughs) can save you time and make life that little bit easier. Jess, how do you use Optio? So I use Optio a lot for reviewing ad performance. And last week, Shep talked about how if you pause an ad, a losing ad per Optio's recommendations, that Optio will prompt you to write a new one. So that's amazing in and of itself. I used that this week because the awesomeness does not stop there. I had to write a new ad, and I was pleasantly surprised when I did it within Optio that not only can you do it within Optio, but you don't even need to open Google Ads if you want to reference some of your old ad copy. Optio pulls all of that in right in the ad writer so you can see old ads, your existing ad, the winning one, and all of that with performance stats. So the best part of it is that you can click on one of those ads and Optio will load that copy into the new ad that you're writing. So you can just tweak from there. Say you just want to test something new. So it's really, really, really easy. And then when you're done, you can publish the new ad to your ads account, again, right from Optio. You never have to leave the interface. It's that easy. It's awesome. So if you want to see that in action, you can get a six-week free trial of Optio at optio.com forward slash S-E-J. That's O-P-T-E-O dot com forward slash S-E-J. And first up in the paid universe this week, Walmart launched a new program for advertisers called Walmart Advertising Partners. And they've been doing a lot to build out their ad platform And this will allow advertisers direct access and more control over their sponsored product campaigns as well as an auction-based marketplace that's similar to what people are used to with Google Shopping, Bing Shopping, or Amazon for their ad campaigns. The company named four initial API partners, and I can only pronounce one with a lot of confidence, Flywheel Digital, Ken Shu, I believe it is PacView, and Tika Metrics. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's that last one's tough yeah 
they're really picky with their partners here. One one good positioning strategy that that Flywheel has here is it's easy to say. Mm-hmm. It's like you've got four of these. You have to. Pick, I mean, Ken Shoe's not bad and has been around for a long time. But you got Pack V Tom. You're like, oh, Flywheel. I would digital. definitely look at Flywheel I'm first. So Walmart says that 90% of Americans shop in their store every year and advertisers who use Walmart advertising partners will be able to leverage their in-store and online data to target their ads. So That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Sounds great. And we have some news from Microsoft Advertising. You may remember they said that standard text ads would not deliver after 2019. Well, now they're saying, never mind, you have three more months plus leap day. After March 31st, <laughs> if you don't have any of their new expanded text ads in your campaigns, your ads will not run. If you've updated your ads in the last two years, you shouldn't have any issues with this because they haven't allowed you to make those standard text ads in two years or edit them. So this is not for the bad marketers. (laughs) (laughs) So this isn't on our 2020 in memoriam yet, but apparently it will be added on March 31st. I am a little weary because we know what the next day is. So they could say never mind again. Oh, April Fool's Day. Yeah, I had to think about that. And Facebook announced some updates to their political ad library tool this week. If anyone needs an update, Facebook's ad library is their transparency tool for ads. And it was set up mainly for political ads. Anyone can go in there and see any ad that a candidate is running and how it's targeted and how much they've spent. When it's working. When it's working. You'll now be able to see the size of an audience for an ad. And they also have improved the search and filter tools so you can find the ad you want to see more quickly than before. They're also allowing users more control over how advertisers can reach them with a custom audience from a list. So you'll be able to opt out of this targeting now. If an advertiser uploads a list from a third-party source, you can say, I don't want to be targeted in this way, and you won't see the ads. And you can also do it the opposite way. So if they upload a list and say, I want to exclude these people, you could say, I don't want to be excluded. Show me those ads. (laughs) Can't wait for that. Wow. (laughs) And finally, they're giving users the option to tell Facebook they want to see fewer political and social issue ads. So look for that feature. Also in the news this week, IBM announced Advertiser Accelerator with Watson at CES. This is a tool that uses artificial intelligence to determine the best combination of creative elements for an ad that will drive engagement and conversions for a particular audience. IBM also says that this tool will help advertisers uncover new audience segments. It kind of just sounds like responsive ads to me and they don't really say like who or what this is for. I don't know if they want someone to buy it, Mm. but it's just like a cool tool and doesn't say how you could upload the ads to an ad platform. And I thought they sold off a lot of that Watson powered marketing software. I thought that they did that at some point, maybe last year. I, I forget. We'll have to look into that. But I don't, CES leaves me with more questions than answers. I feel like I also feel like people overdo Watson. It's just a good name, you know. It is a good name. It's, it's elementary. Like, what? There you go. But something like Bixby, you know, Samsung's voice. That was just a terrible name. You know, Watson <laughs> sounds good. Mm-hmm. Bixby and, and doesn't. And it's not like Alexa. Like you're not going to use it too much in the real world. Right. It sounds. It just sounds dorky. You can just add Watson anything. But he is a dork. Yeah, that's the point, right? Yeah, but who knows if it actually is, oh, is what I'm no. saying. I think it's a great name. Agreed. Well, 
buckle up, ladies and gents, because I have another CCPA story for you. Yes, I've been waiting all week. (laughs) As we all know, the California Consumer Privacy Act, which among other things requires some companies to allow users an option to opt out of the sale of their data, went into effect on January 1st. By the way, have you guys been getting influxed with emails about people updating their privacy policy? So many. Yeah, that's this is why. I've gotten a lot of those too, but in this article, Greg Sterling at Marketing Land points out that it's actually really hard to find the do not sell my information button on a lot of companies' websites. Jess sent me a screenshot of Target's, <laughs> which I think they're doing a pretty good job. It's like a different color. Yep. It's at the bottom of the page, but it's bolded. Yep. I don't want it like all over the page anyway. Um, I also found it on Walmart's website. Oh, you're one of the 90%. <laughs> I was on their website for the story. I did just buy a basketball hoop from them, though. Okay. But exactly. I was disappointed in the service. Wow. You bought it online? Their order pickup, you have you can only go between 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. I dumb. ordered uh, 40,000 cucumbers last year. I was just pretty, <laughs> pretty happy with it. Like, are you still waiting <laughs> oh, I forgot for about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, we haven't got them yet. Bummer. It's a pinned tweet on our at Marketing yeah, Clock Twitter no, handle. Check it out. Good moment. So bottom line, it seems like people are you know, playing around with this to try to see how small they can make the button without getting in trouble and how much they can bury it. Another interesting point, three of the big ones, Amazon, Google, and Facebook, have no opt-out button at all. Instead, they, quote, point to other mechanisms to control user privacy. And the CCPA specifically says that the button must be clear and conspicuous on the homepage. Wonderful word. Conspicuous, I feel like the only other time I ever see it written is in elevators. When they're like, you have to have your exit plan in a conspicuous space. We what? should use that word yeah. more. That's, that's the only place I ever notice it anyway. Yeah. Check it out. Next time you're in an elevator, look for their documentation. So I don't know if these websites are quite clear and conspicuous, but we'll have to wait and see. Target is. Go Target. <laughs> and now we'll move on from the CCPA to the COPPA. Yes. <laughs> Even better. C-O. Like, yeah, like PPA. Copacabana. Just was, <laughs> I've been singing that all day now. I'm not going to sing for you. YouTube warned creators a few months ago that they would be making changes to comply with the new Children's Online Privacy Protection Act laws. And this week they announced that all of those changes are in full effect. So as a reminder, the big changes are targeted ads will no longer run on videos intended for children. Good. Videos for kids will no longer have comments. Good. Have you ever seen comments on YouTube? They're not for kids. (laughs) Never. No. I've never, ever, I don't look ever at them a lot. seen a video with completely wholesome comments. It doesn't exist. Yeah. That's my challenge. Try to or find Instagram a YouTube video. For like a big celebrity, they're always messy. Mm-hmm. And finally, YouTube said that kid-focused channels will see a, quote, significant business impact due to reduced ad revenue. So they won't be making as much money as they used to. And as a reminder for creators, when you upload a new video, you'll have to specify whether or not your video was made for kids. And that is the paid news this week. And this week's organic lightning round is brought to you by Ahrefs. Ahrefs makes competitive analysis easy. Their tools show you how your competitors are getting traffic from Google and why. You can see the pages and content that send them the most search traffic, Find out the exact keywords they're ranking for and which backlinks are helping them rank. From there, you can replicate or improve on their strategies. If you're not getting significant search traffic, Ahrefs tools also help to find topics worth creating pages or content on. 
You can easily see estimated search volumes, engage traffic potential with their Keywords Explorer tools. If you are one of those lucky few getting search traffic, well, I guess lucky lots. I mean, come on, you're listening to the show. If you're one of those lucky lots getting traffic, you can still use Ahrefs. Their features, like their top pages report, help break down which of your pages are bringing in the most traffic. Then you can figure out how you can replicate this success for the rest of your pages. Shep, how do you use Ahrefs? This week, I was working on our 2020 content plan for cypressnorth.com, and I was trying to plan out blog posts for the year or you know the next few months for our site, and I found the top subfolders report to be a really cool tool. So this shows which of our subfolders or paths are referring the most organic traffic to our site. So for our blog, our URLs are broken out by category, so I was able to see which blog categories brought us the most traffic. And I could see how many posts we have within a category, how many users that category brought us to the site and use this information to make future content decisions. And you can also look at this for your competitors and see which of their different categories on their site are bringing them the most traffic. Ooh, sneaky. Yeah, so I had a lot of fun with that this week. So you can get your sleuth on with a <laughs> seven-day trial for only $7. Head on over to ahrefs.com to sign up today. And here's what's happening in the organic universe this week. First off, the email service provider Campaign Monitor released its annual global email benchmarks report, something I have had pinned to my calendar all year. It looks at email marketing performance across industries. And the government organizations topped the list as having the highest open rates of over 30%, an increase of nearly 11% over the course of 2019. Wow. All you yeah. govs out there, get back to work. <laughs> what are you doing opening That's all these email marketing, email marketing campaigns? And if you're feeling sad about your tax paying dollars, well, the automotive and aerospace industries had the lowest open rates of only 12.6%, down from 17% last year. So, whew, feel a little more safer out there. I'm the so happy that someone did this study. That is fascinating information. Next up, on February 4th, Google is set to roll out a new Chrome update that promises a bunch of new features to make the browser faster and more secure, along with a new approach to cookies. And Digiday had a great article called WTF is Chrome's Same Site Cookie Update. And it's like a, explain it like I'm five of what this same site cookie is. And it's not about dough ice cream, monsters. It's about third parties where it will require website owners to explicitly state and label the third party cookies that can be used on their sites. And cookies without that labeling won't work in the Chrome browser, which has a 64% grasp of the browser market, according to StatCounter. You'll be able to label them strict, none, or lax. And the question is why would he want to do this? And the answer is, well, third-party cookies can be bad. There can be malicious tracking. There could be data leakage. And you could be susceptible to something known as cross-site request forgery attacks where you're kind of passing information. Maybe it's your bank account information or something like that. So let me relate this to something germane quick. We're going to compare this with real-life cookies. And real-life cookies can be, for the most part, really good. You can use them to track. You can use them to eat, chocolate chip, red velvet. What's your favorite cookie? 
I have a guess for what the bad thing is going to be. Okay, my favorite <laughs> is chocolate chip. Okay, well, I was thinking the bad thing is you can still have a cookie and it can be bad. Like, what if you have a... Raisins. Raisin cookie. I was going to say, like, somebody put drugs <laughs> Germs, in your cookie. Like, yeah. You've got a sickness. pot cookie. You don't know what you're doing. And then you're all of a sudden upside down. I mean, that's bad. I hate raisins. Okay, well, that's worse, apparently, to shop. So... <laughs> Grapes, you're on blast. Yeah, third-party um, cookies are the raisin dry the grapes. <laughs> <laughs> just the dry grapes. What about prunes? Do you like prunes? No. Nothing Nothing shriveled like that? No shriveled fruits? What are prunes? Are they plums? Plums. That's what I thought. So you yeah. put plums on blast and grapes on blast. Anything else? <laughs> Who's eaten a prune in their life? I have. It's Grandma's? disgusting. Yeah. It's disgusting. And then they come in those little individual wrappers. Do you ever see those? Prunes do? Oh, I'll bring some in. You'll really enjoy it. Are you in the bulk <laughs> department? I picture them being no, really big, too. No, you get like, a, like a, a can, a canister of prunes. Oh, I hate it. It's perfect. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Something else coming to Chrome is that in Chrome 80, there also is going to be some blocks of push notifications. Hooray! There's going to be a quieter UI available in both desktop and mobile. And there's a few different ways this will be implemented with manual enrollment where you can enroll and say, I'm going, I want the quieter UI. Everything will be blocked by default in that case when you opt into it. Another thing is users who infrequently accept notifications, aka me, I hate it every time I have to block those notifications. I'm going to have automatic en enrollment. They're the vote. I hate they those are. notifications. They are. And I get opted into the weirdest ones. Like something's wrong. That's you hitting accept. No, it's not. I'm <laughs> telling you, I have to go in and opt out all the time. There's something wrong. That's why they're doing this. Well, once you get Chrome 80, download or opt into the manual enrollment. But for me, who hits no on those, I'm probably going to be automatically enrolled, which is awesome. And then here's my favorite part. The other way you can have this in implemented for you is automatic enrollment on sites with low permission acceptance rates. So if you're out there with a stinker of a site and you're trying to force these notifications on everybody, good luck. I couldn't love this more and I'm a marketer and this is like anti-marketing. It's not. You I know. It's do, just annoying. do a better job at marketing. All right. Next up, we've got some Google News news for you and they are testing a dark theme. Wow. Ooh. How 2019 of you, Google. <laughs> and uh, the, the real news is that they're testing upvote and downvote buttons in the news feed. And I love this too. A lot of times we kind of poop on Google. These are two awesome changes and really three awesome changes because, I mean, everybody likes cookies except for those raisins. But many times I have to block sites altogether. I don't have a subscription to them or I can't see something. And then a lot of sites don't work well. And I don't know. I just I, I really like the ability to kind of give a soft like on something or a soft downvote mm -hmm. and not just completely wipe the site out from its entirety. All right. Next up from George Wynn over at Search Engine Land, direct site navigation via voice is arriving on iOS Bing Search App. And Microsoft's Bing Search App has been updated with a new design and it will now direct site navigation via voice to iOS users. I just want to know who on earth is using the Bing search app on iOS. I'm going to start. Are you? Oh, get that romance. Get that yeah, hot romance data. That's when I'm doing my celebrity research. It's when I'm watching a movie and I'm like, who's that? Then you just boom. Bing, Bing, Bing voice search. Get right to the, to the website and maybe even find romance. out some heights. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Love it. 
All right, next up. According to Apple, there was a new record broken this holiday season. A spending record of $1.42 billion was spent from Christmas Eve through New Year's Eve in the App Store. And on New Year's Day, customers spent $386 million alone, a 20% increase over 2019 and a new single day record. Why? Gift cards. You know what they say. No, I don't. New year, new you, new resolutions, new apps, new records, and new stock highs. Do they say right? that? I think they? that's what it is. Who says that? That's what my grandpa used to say. <laughs> Your grandpa was saying new apps? Yeah. He was a forward thinker. <laughs> All right. And next up, Google is testing user comments for live TV shows. TV shows get the real-time user comments feature that has been working for sporting events in Google Search. And this is for you, Shep and Hope, you monsters, you. We talked about this last week. You wanted to schedule and what movies to watch in Google Search. Well, now you don't have to use Twitter like the rest of us commenters. You can use your new favorite social network, Google Search, to comment on live TV shows. I use Facebook groups right now. Oh, you would. (laughs) Is this something you'd use, Jess? No. I'm going to talk about a show, hop on over and Google Search it. And talk in the SERPs? No. Get rid of this Are you going to use it? Jess. I'm just making sure. You can't watch The Bachelor alone. (laughs) Yeah, you got Google You need your friends, yeah. That's what I use the groups for. Honestly, does Google not know that Twitter's there? (laughs) (laughs) The last thing I want to do is have a conversation in Google search results pages. But it'll keep it all in one place. How are you ever going to get back to that? You're going to Google search... Your bachelor Google search season one I'm just I'm just saying I'm not ruling it out. No, why would I want to go back? I just want someone to know how uncomfortable I am that they don't turn the mics off when they're making out. Ugh. That's all I need to say. Oh, that was my favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Next up, Google mocks the SEO strategy to update stories to 2020 <laughs> titles and headlines. And this was actually over on Reddit, though Barry Schwartz wrote it up on searchengineroundtable.com. And there was a post on the subreddit, Big SEO. Who? And the post was, pro tip, if you have a web page ranking near the top or on the second page of the Google SERPs, give it a 2020 update for an SEO boost. And John Mueller from Google made a comment saying, Top ways to recognize low-quality content in 2020. (laughs) So shots fired, John. (laughs) And LOL, John's mocking SEOs with bad advice. little message to you, though. John, it works. (laughs) And that's me mocking you. It's not something I do. It's not something that's good. But it works. Make it not work. And then go and mock some others. All right, next up, Google is working on fixing data in the URL parameter tool. So the legacy URL parameter tool in Google Search Console is having some issues, and Google is aware and working on it. So they're bringing the buggy back in 2020. Jess, what is happening in social this week? All right, lots happening. And first up from social media today, Twitter is removing the audience insights element from Twitter analytics. That's right. The report that gave you demographic purchase behavior and other data on your followers is going away as of January 30th. So all you brand managers out there, pop in before the end of the month and grab your data before it's gone. I took a look at the audience insights on my own profile today just for funsies. Top three interests on my followers are dogs, science news, and weather. 
Who's not interested in the weather? What about cats? Me. I hate weather. <laughs> if I ever had to talk weather again, and if I never heard another mention of weather, it'd be the best day of my life. But like the weather happens all around yeah. us. What else are you going to talk about on like conference calls? Yeah, Anything. I'll I talk about the, the Bachelor. I talk about the makeouts on the Bachelor. The weather is a crutch. Yeah, I don't need you're weather. You're happy it's there when you're in an awkward conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm never happy for the weather. It's just there. I can't do anything about it. It is there. But you live in it. You have to know what's going on. I don't. I haven't looked at weather in tw- in 10 years. Fine. Well, I don't even know. I just don't know how that's an interest. I just feel like that's like a catch-all. Everybody's interested in weather. No, I'm not. Well, 98% of my followers. So you must be in that 2%. <laughs> are interested in weather. Anyway. <laughs> Huge in the meteorologist community. <laughs> Apparently. And dogs. So speaking of weather... E-Marketer reported that Instagram's growth is slowing down and forecasts that it will continue to trend downward in years to come. See what I, I did see there? What you did. Wait, I just realized, who follows, you, you got a big, you're big in the science community? Apparently, science this is, news. This is wrong. You know how you can look at your Google profile, and I was just talking about this on a different podcast. You can look at your Google profile, and it pins you down pretty well to like who you are. Yeah. This is not you. Well, this isn't me. This is my followers. I know, but that, <laughs> that, that's scientists. also not them. You don't have a bunch of scientists and meteorologists following you. Yeah, I don't get it. Get out of here I don't get that. it. Okay, so Maybe that's is, why they're taking the report down. So what's up with Instagram growth? So according to the research firm eMarketer, the platform saw single-digit growth in 2019, and that's the first time ever that it hasn't been in the double digits. So they're at 6.7% growth in 2019, and I think previously in 2018 it was something like 10%, so it was double digits but not a crazy drop. Uh, By 2021, they predict it'll be down to about half that, so in the 3% range. But it's important to note here that Instagram isn't losing users. It's still growing. It's just not growing by the leaps and bounds or double digits anymore. The good news is for you hashtag team paid folks that despite slowing user adoption, eMarketer still believes that ad revenue will continue to grow and they've estimated that it will increase 46.6% from 2019 to 2020. So no reason to stop advertising. That's bad news. Why is that bad? Ad prices are going up. Users are are slow and ad prices are high. Or they're just really into the ads and they're engaging and clicking. I don't know. I think a 6.7% growth and 46.6% spend seems pretty bad. I like your optimism. I think it's, I get it. Yeah. You got to do better. Yeah. Try harder. Try harder. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Next up. Facebook has announced a slew of new features for instant articles, which are now trying harder. And it claims that these features have already increased revenue and reading time for publishers. So what's new? A recirculation and navigation surface. Their words, not mine. This will make it easier to browse other articles from the same publisher. And it's also equipped with engagement buttons to more easily share and save articles that you're reading. They have an integrated CTA and ad yield model that will serve either a CTA unit or an ad based on which provides greater estimated publisher value. And apparently before Facebook, these are their words, these things were served blindly. So this is an improvement to your point about doing better in 2020. I think, you know, Facebook should be applauded for their honesty. It's like Greg and his new glasses. Sharp. (laughs) Sharp here in 2020. (laughs) Lastly, instant articles can now be accessed from within Facebook stories. So that's cool too. 
So guys, remember last week, Greg, you had all sorts of fun mini segments within your organic segment? No, every show blends into each other (laughs) at this point. Well, you did. And it's my turn this week. We are getting into deep fake news. And I'm pretending that there's like a deep rumbling effect, you know, like a monster truck rally or something. I totally get it. Thank you. (laughs) So first up here in deep fake news. A few episodes ago, we talked about Snapchat's new cameos feature that turns your selfies into animated videos. They're fun, lighthearted, obvious, and acceptable deep fakes. Cameos? Are you talking about Google cameos that show up in search results or cameos that allow you to buy celebrities? Or is this a different cameo? This is a totally different cameo. Ooh, this is original, nice Snapchat name. cameos. Okay. <laughs> exactly. So Snap, which is Snapchat's parent company, has acquired AI Factory, which is the company that they partnered with to make cameos for snapchat so no word yet on the projects that they're up to with this acquisition and if you look at the examples this is barely a deep fake this is yeah. not even a medium fake this is it's a fun fake. this is the what do we call them? Shallow, shallow fakes fake. yeah you look at it and it's it's like you're putting yourself on i don't know there's some purple thing i don't even know what it yeah was. like a weird bird or something yeah it's like you're putting yourself on a raisin <laughs> like who wants that the third party cookie i don't know but i calling that a deep fake they're calling it, the article called it that, yeah. and I took umbrage with it. All right. Well, that was it for shallow fake news then. And we'll move on to real deep fakes because there's something kind of creepy going on. ByteDance, which is the parent company of TikTok, according to an article from TechCrunch, they have developed an unreleased, so far unreleased feature to create lifelike deep fakes. And they're so lifelike that the code in the app is just calling it a face swap. If you look at the article and you should... It's so scary, the examples. Like these people's faces look like they're really put on. Basically, you're taking pictures from multiple angles of your face and they're inserting you not into an image, but in a video and you can share it. So it's really, really creepy. It's crazy in and of itself. But we just talked about how the Chinese government can ask ByteDance for data at any time. And so even though that, as we talked about last week, doesn't necessarily affect TikTok users in the US, the Chinese version of the app, Douyin, if I'm saying that correctly, also has this feature, so it's possible that Big Brother is out there just grabbing everybody's faces. One reason one reason I'm I'm excited about this is because with this new deepfake technology on TikTok, I can be like Hope and I can have my first TikTok dance. <laughs> I don't have to do anything. I just find some other little fancy dancer out there, you know, deepfake my face on there, and boom, I'm a TikTok dancer. You should use your Bitmoji's face. Yes. Nobody ever knows. Yes. <laughs> Maybe we'll put so it in the show real. notes this week, but check it out, marketingclock.com. <laughs> So TechCrunch reached out to TikTok for a comment on this and their response was a bit sketchy too. You can read the full thing in the article, but the gist of it was that at first TikTok said that there's no such thing as this. And then they later replied and said the inactive code fragments are being removed to eliminate any confusion. So this is like a Jason Bourne movie or whatever. Anyway, one more story here in deep fake news. While other social networks like TikTok and Snapchat are having fun slash being creepy with deepfakes, fakes, Facebook updated their policies this week to ban deepfake content that involves the use of AI technologies to merge, replace, or superimpose content onto a video, making it appear to be authentic. So the good news is deepfakes meant for parody or satire are still apparently okay. Um, some of the silly photoshops we do around here are probably fine. We've been doing deep fakes at this office since before deep fakes were a thing. We put Adam's mm-hmm. face on everyone from Lord to Jonathan Taylor Thomas. It's a good time. Wonderful. <laughs> I feel like Facebook would be okay with that. They're so convincing. They, they really are. <laughs> They're terrifying. I'm just shaking my head. <laughs> They're entertaining. We can put one in the show notes. All right. That does it for deep fake news. And now back to our regularly scheduled programming. A couple more stories here in social. 
Airbnb has software that predicts whether guests are psychopaths. I just love, I only know the headline, but I love this story. (laughs) Shep literally put a heart in the notes. (laughs) It's close to my heart. (laughs) From Business Insider, the software will use social media to, quote, detect illegal activity and scan for traits including neuroticism, narcissism, Machiavellianism, or psychopathy. That was a mouthful. So this is supposed to help Airbnb determine if you're trustworthy enough to rent a place or not. And I sort of love it, but I have a problem with narcissism being one of the traits that they look for. I feel like that's a bit much. Yeah. I don't know. I've been really having a lot of fun, like exaggerating and saying that like everything I don't like makes someone a psychopath. Like, (laughs) oh, you don't want any popcorn right now? (laughs) You're a psychopath. Are you a psychopath? (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Um, So maybe don't look at Shep's social media, Airbnb. But really, I mean, narcissism, come on. Everybody on social media is a little bit narcissistic. There's like 3% of people that aren't. You haven't seen Don't F with Cats. I will not see. I think that's the kind of narcissism they're talking about. Oh, I see. Okay, well then definitely don't let that person rent from you. Anyway, so it's unclear whether or not Airbnb is currently using this technology, but they have it and that's pretty cool. And Shep loves it. Speaking of trustworthiness and narcissism, let's go back to TikTok for a second. They released a transparency report this week. Basically, they have received in the first half of 2019, 298 legal requests for information from 28 countries, none of which were China, if you're following that saga. And I really think that's probably the only reason that this is even news. So normal stuff. You can read the article if you're interested, but it's all just, you know, if somebody's violating laws or there's an investigation, they want your info. It's not as scary as the headline makes it sound. And lastly, here in social, in response to feedback from the research community, Twitter has launched what they're calling Twitter data for academic researchers, and it's meant to make it easier for researchers to access information and get support around Twitter's APIs. Oh, so they can spot narcissists too. (laughs) Possibly. And those Machiavellian, that was a hard one. Did I say it right? Machiavellianism? I was really proud of myself. Um, Anyway, in addition to this API support, which is out now, and we have the link in the show notes, Twitter has also promised more resources to come later this year. So we'll be sure to fill you in on those details when they're released. And that brings us to our real life segment, straight out of our accounts and into your ear holes. It's time for Working Hard or Hardly Working, where we talk about what's going on in our IRL work, good, bad, or otherwise. Shep. What's been happening with your accounts lately? I have a creepy one. I was looking at keywords in an account for the whole 2019, like a deep dive. And I sorted by the, I was looking at search terms, but I sorted by the keyword. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So I sorted by the broad match modified terms all came up at the top. And I saw quite a few broad match modified terms that were matched up with a keyword and it said that the match type was phrase match or phrase match close variant. And Jess said she saw it a couple times too. I did. I saw it for like two or three keywords, but the screenshot that you sent me, it was like a ton. Yeah. I don't know what's happening. So like the mat, it makes sense. Like the, this term would match for broad match modified anyway, like based on what I had in there, but it's just like reporting wrong and it's not good and it's not what you want. Amen to that. That's all I got. (laughs) What you do want is CRM data, baby. 
I wrote in my notes. Uh, so we just onboarded a new B2B client recently, and we've been working to really get the lay of the land and digging deep into their Google and Microsoft campaigns to see what's been working and what's ha- what hasn't. The platform formerly known as Bing Ads. Oh, yeah. It's been a while since we've said that. So they use HubSpot as their CRM, and it tracks all of the touch points on the customer journey. So we've been using that to look into any paid interactions that their leads may have had. And it really tells a different story or it tells more of the story than just looking at data within the ad platforms. So the paid campaigns contributed to far more leads than we initially thought after a quick look at Google and Microsoft. So just a good reminder that nothing, no single source of information is the end all be all and definitely look at everything that you have at your disposal when you're checking on performance, especially with new clients. All right. And this week I've got almost a business New Year's resolution for everybody here. And recently, well, I guess going back, we've been around from it's like 10 years now, our company Cypress North, who uh, we all work for. Uh, we kind of always tout ourselves as having the steak and not as much sizzle. And that's one of the lines that we've always used when selling things. We're kind of yeah. like a bunch of nerds that come in and be like, hey, here's your data. Here's what's doing great. We should spend more here and take that really data-driven approach. And sometimes it doesn't work. It's kind of what I learned in 2019. <laughs> you know, all these people are like, I, I really want to hear pitched again. I love being pitched too. And to me, that's just like, maybe I'm not narcissistic or maybe I am narcissistic. I don't know. Maybe I'm a Machiavellianism. <laughs> Who knows? But I feel like we need to do a better job. Just new this in 2020, I'm going to work on doing a better job. I'm proud of everything that we do. We do a fantastic job, but sometimes we don't sell it and we undersell our stuff. So that's just something that, I've got on my list to do is, yeah, we need to have a great steak, but let's make it sizzle a little bit too. I mean, I've got sales glasses now. Maybe I'll <laughs> I'll hit the gym and turn myself into a Donnie Deutsch over here. <laughs> That's what I need to do. Sales glasses. <laughs> look at me. <laughs> Check me out on YouTube in Stop December. Stop telling people to look at us on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. You want to look like Donnie Deutsch in December. That's my goal. Donnie Deutsch in uh, December 2020. Now it's time for this week's WTH. Misguided. You're like, who does that? <laughs> Just get rid of it. I'm over it. <laughs> Where we rant, rave, and roll our eyes about a trending digital marketing topic. What are we coming to? Honestly. See what had us asking. W-T-H. This week. Our WTH is an article from CNET, and it talks about an exciting and totally not creepy new company called Neon, who after much anticipation finally unveil what they have been working on at CES. Neon is a collaboration between Samsung Technology and Star Labs, and they have created digital humans. These are, quote, a computationally, another amazing word, a computationally created virtual being that looks and behaves like a real human with the ability to show emotions and intelligence. (laughs) Greg and I are just shaking our heads. You guys have to look at the images of this. We'll have it in the show notes. They look like, it's so creepy. They look like real humans, but something's just a little off. Like they're creepy at the same time. It's gross. It's like a human Tamagotchi. The article compares it to the Polar Express. (laughs) No. (laughs) My my other favorite part of the article is that CNET said, these realistic chatbots aren't meant to replace humans, but to, quote, make us more human. What? You know what, Samsung? I'm pretty hacking human over here. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty human. I don't need to be more. Like, trust me, Samsung. I don't need to be more human. <laughs> I need to be less human. More Less human than human? Yeah. Like the anti-Rob Zombie is what I need. <laughs> Do you guys remember the movie AI? Years ago, they predicted this. Is with that, Jude that little boy? Yeah. No, I don't. Oh, okay. Well, this is like that 
but next level in real life. Yeah. This and what's creepy. even creepier is they make a point to say they're not smart assistants. Like they're not all knowing. They're like, don't ask us about the weather, Jess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but they said that they can learn things and they have memories like real humans. So they're saying they can act as teachers, financial advisors, healthcare providers. So I guess they're just taking our jobs. I don't healthcare providers. Yeah, How I was. I, no, no, no. I had a good experience. I was talking to Neon the other day and they're like, go buy <laughs> Samsung stock. Mm. I'm like, okay. Maybe this is the sizzle we need no. in 2020. We get one of these fake people to do our sales. <laughs> yeah, I get one of these. <laughs> Their faces have too much gradient on them too. It's like it's it's that um, uncanny valley. The, get get rid of this. They're, the way they're standing is no. like terrifying. Terrifying. Like they have no shoulder muscles. <laughs> Like, look, take a little note from me. Let's hit those traps in 2020. What if we found out they were real people and you were just bullying them? <laughs> well, I take it all back. Well, they look really human, so good for them. And now for this week's Cool Tool. As a reminder, our Cool Tool segment is not an official endorsement or paid mention. We're simply sharing something we found in our travels that may be of use to our listeners and is really, really cool. This week's cool tool is ConvertKit. ConvertKit is an email marketing software that helps you with everything from designing emails and landing pages to building out automations and a whole bunch more. So until recently, it was only available for a monthly fee, but they just announced that you can now get started for free. So if you are looking to get email marketing fired up, why not test this out? It obviously doesn't come with everything for free. There is paid versions for a reason with more features, but this is a great way to get your foot in the door and test a system out before you buy it. So we'll have a link to it in our show notes, or you can just head over to convertkit.com to learn more. Now it's time for our must-read marketing article of the week. An article so advanced, so in-depth, so detailed that we simply cannot cover it in its entirety on today's show. And this week's must-read marketing article of the week comes from Alan Blyweiss over at the Journal of Search Engines, aka Search Engine Journal. And he has a article, Answer All the Important Questions, Actionable Tasking. And he breaks down actionable tasking for content. This article is a doozy. There is no stone left unturned, no question left unanswered it's one of those better stretch your scrolling fingers hydrate yourself and buckle up he's got <laughs> common fail points the task required 11 different tasks and i've got an excerpt i'm going to read where alan gets super meta from his what about expert blogs section of content and he says Unless the purpose of the content is to reach a much larger audience, and at the time you write the content, you know that the blog post will be on a highly trusted industry site that is entirely built as a blog system, or where the blog is the primary section of an industry site where all their evergreen educational content is loaded, like Search Engine Journal. Could I have posted this to my own site? Sure, except let's be real. My site is so small as to be ineffective to the sp specific to my primary goal to reach as many people as possible in our industry in the most efficient manner possible. I just love it when you're talking about yourself in the article. It's phenomenal. <laughs> He's even got bonus section on evergreen content. So check it out. Thank you, Alan. All right. That does it for today's show. Thank you to our sponsors this week, Ahrefs and Optio. 
And if you're looking for another great podcast, don't miss this week's episode of the Search Engine Journal Show. I wouldn't exactly call this week's episode great. I don't know what great. schlub they brought on the show this week. Our very own Greg Finn. After oh, hey, all. that's me. <laughs> it was great. Guys, listen to it. Greg drops knowledge about B2B marketing and what campaign managers should be focusing on in 2020. And it's all kidding aside, it's a solid listen. And we had, again, some some tangible takeaways. And I said that Brent reminded me of the, pers- of the person in Don't F with Cats. <laughs> I didn't want to bring that That's up. That's like the great thing you need to tell a host. Hey, you remind me of this. But and, and it was more about that. the sock puppet accounts. <laughs> it's it's the nice. sock puppet You account. said it within it was, the first five minutes. I said it was nice. Too. I said it in a nice way, like the sock puppet accounts. Hmm. I mean, Brent used to be like the Jim Henson of Dig with puppets. <laughs> anyway, it is not, Brent, I love you, by the way. It is now officially not Marketing O'Clock. Remember, you can catch everything from this show on marketingoclock.com. While you're there, please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Marketing O'Clock, part of the Search Engine Journal Podcast Network. If you're looking for more information on today's topics, head over to marketingoclock.com for links to all the articles that we covered. And please be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. Welcome to this week's episode of Shooting the Hack, where after famous Friday news shows, we don't talk about marketing anymore. We just shoot the hack. All right. Shep has her own game based off of the yeah. show this week. We're what is it? We're going to use the Bing knowledge <laughs> romance panel, and you're going to try to see if you can just name one person from the celebrities romance panel. So Jess is going to go first, and she'll have the first guess. Ooh. If mm. she doesn't get a person, Greg can steal. Okay. So this is showing all their lovers. It's not. And I have to I, guess one. I've noticed it's some. A, according uh, to Bing, yeah. Bing is the end all be all. Well, let's go. I'm going to be honest. According to me, I've noticed some inaccuracies. So good luck. But okay. I just have to be correct with what. Bing have you ever says. thought about making a search engine, Chip? <laughs> okay. <laughs> What's so first? useful. Okay, Jess, hmm. your first person is an easy one. Taylor Swift. Can you name a suitor? A suitor. Definitely not Kanye. Um, shoot. I knew it earlier and I can't think of his name. John Mayer. Yeah, you got it. Woo! Okay. Thank you for giving me an easy one. Greg. <laughs> Friend of the show, Ted Danson. <laughs> Ted Danson, okay. Okay. All right. Can you name a suitor? What is wrong with me? Can you name a suitor? Kirstie Alley. She's not on here. Oh, that must Mary? be just be the show. Mary Steenbergen, Casey Coates, and Can I guess? Oh, oh. Okay, that nobody wins that one. You didn't know any anyway. Rhea Perlman or whatever that lady's name is she's from a, Cheers. She's not. Well, is that her character? That's, no. Again, that's a Danny show. Danny DeVito's wife. <laughs> yeah, they're perfect. All right, nobody gets that. Okay. okay, Jess. Yes. Judy Garland. Can you name a suitor? I can't even name someone from that era. Um, John Wayne. No. Greg. Elvis Presley. <laughs> no. <laughs> Mickey Deans, Mark Heron, Sydney Luft, Vincent Minnelli. Come on, you could have said Minnelli, Liza Minnelli. Oh my Shut God. Up. You're Give talking to the wrong crowd. Name. I don't even know who the person was you were talking well, about. I'm That's her daughter. Of the game. Yeah. Okay. okay, next. America's Sweetheart, Greg, Sandy Bullock. <laughs> oh, yes. I know this one. I just don't know if Bing knows it. Okay, what's your guess? There's four. The on problematic fellow that's the best welder in the world, Jesse James. <laughs> yep, you got it. Okay, one more. Who else is on there? Sorry. I must know. You messed me up. Okay. Oh, no, uh, Randy, Ra- oh, Brian Randall, Ryan Gosling, Tate Donovan. Ryan Gosling? Yeah, I didn't know that either. I thought he was with Eva Mendes. No? I don't know. Did she ever, ever have a fling with Deutsch? <laughs> um, 
<laughs> We're just calling him I Deutsch now. <laughs> his romance knowledge panel, unfortunately. Okay. So one one, Jess's turn. Okay, Jess. Mm. Flava Flav. Oh, oh this Bridget is so Nielsen. Easy. Bridget Nielsen. Yep, you got it. Yeah. Is anyone counting? Two to one, Jess. Okay, let bonus round, Greg. Can you name any of Chloe slash Cleo Kardashians? Yes. What if I name multiple? Okay. Extra points. Lamar Odom and Tristan Thompson. Mm-hmm. Basketball players. This also has French Montana and James Harden. Oh, yeah. I forgot James Harden. The beard. Okay. Well, I don't know who won because I didn't pay attention. I think I, Greg just won. He just got two points on the same round. Okay. We'll call it a tie unless you can do another one live. Give another one live to Jess. Yeah. And I think we do somebody big. Let's do Kate Hudson. Let's roll Kate Hudson. In That's there. a good one. All right. Oh, Jess, shoot. Kate Hudson for the win. A-Rod, right? Oh, I was going to do that. Is that right, He's though? not on here. What? I don't think that's... Is that right? I'm pretty yes. sure. Isn't he with Jennifer Lopez now? Yes, he's marrying her. This has... No. He, um, Lance Armstrong's on here. Oh, I know this. I forgot that they dated. Maybe not, though. Oh, wait. Cheryl he dated Crow. Kate Hudson? Yeah. Oh, I was going to say Cheryl Crow. Yeah, Cheryl Crow. Okay. Now <laughs> we're just playing Seven Degrees of Bacon or whatever. Thanks for playing. <laughs> Everybody loses. We'll see you next week. <laughs>